0: In today's Conquering Codependency God's Way, what does the Bible say about narcissism, part one? Ready? Let's do this. Hey there, I'm Eileen Thompson, founder of Treasured Ministries, and I want to welcome you to our YouTube channel and our podcast. We are so glad that you are here. And if you've been listening to our um, YouTube channel or our podcast recently, you know that we've been walking through a several part series um, on narcissism. We've been interviewing experts. Um, I'm passionate about this topic because that's a personality type that especially if you are a codependent, you need to be aware of. Why? Because a narcissist will seek to control you. And the only person that we want to give our free will over to is God. Now, today I'm going to be bringing to you part One of a teaching message that I created for one of our Treasure Tribe Bible studies called Godfidence. And inside of this teaching message, I'm going to be sharing with you uh, a little bit about what the Bible says about narcissism. Now, that word is not even in the Bible, but What is in the Bible is idolatry of man, and a narcissist demands that they are the focus of attention, and so becoming aware of this personality type is very biblical, and in part one of this teaching message, I'm going to be talking about three different aspects. Number one that the truth is that the Bible tells us that the enemy will work through people to accomplish his purposes. That's in the book of Ephesians. I'll be going uh, along with that. And number two, that the narcissist is actually a great personality type for the enemy to work through. And that's because a narcissist has a character trait that they don't have the ability to self-reflect. And the Bible talks about that with being a contrite or a repentant heart. And if you don't have that ability, if you have a very stubborn heart, you are a prime candidate for the enemy to work through. And the last thing, that I want to talk about is that as believers, while we are called to love everyone, that there are certain people that the Bible tells us to be cautious about coming in close, yoked relationships with. And because a narcissist demands that full attention, this is certainly a personality trait that we want to watch out for. Now, I am not a licensed therapist. I am not a theologian. Uh, I'm not an expert in this field, but I am a woman who God broke free from codependency through the power of his living word. And one person type that a codependent does not need to get into a close relationship with is a narcissist. And so today, we're going to be looking inside of the word of God. Specifically, I'm going to be teaching uh, from a passage in Exodus when the Israelites were leaving, the, leaving uh, Egypt where they were in captivity and they were on their way to the promised land. They were attacked by the Amalekites. And you know something? The enemy does not want your promised land purpose to prevail. And so he will come and attack us and he will use lies to attack us. He will tempt our flesh to attack us. And yes, the Bible does say that another way that he works is through people. And so you and I must stand our guard. And so today I'm going to be talking to you from my own personal experience about why I was unaware that I needed to be discerning about certain people and then um, what we can do to stand in God's power to prevail. And then in part two of this message, I'm going to be giving you six uh, biblical principles that you can use to stand in God's power if you have found yourself inside of a narcissistic relationship. Ready? Let's watch it. So I'm all about it. Today, I want to talk to you about tapping into godly girl power to give you godfidence to deal with toxic people God's way. You know, the enemy will work through people to accomplish his purposes. This is not a slam on people. This is biblical truth. Listen to what Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting... Flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And that's exactly the scripture when I was talking to my psychiatrist that he pulled out right? That from a, from a psychiatrist standpoint, that this person with uh, their personality disorder, with their narcissism, that from a personality place, they were an easy door for the enemy to come through and work through, but that there was also a spiritual element uh, of evil that the enemy was using this uh, person, And so um, what my psychiatrist began to do that day was to get rid of this um, naivety that I had about me, right? Because the truth about it is, is that the enemy will work through people to accomplish his purpose. And naivety to this biblical truth will create vulnerability, And I was unaware to this truth. Now, it's not that I hadn't read Ephesians 6.12 before. And so it wasn't that I didn't know that. It's just that um, it wasn't really on my uh, radar. And I want to share with you five reasons why I believe that I was completely um, vulnerable and and unaware of this, uh, because perhaps you can identify uh, with some of them. And the first Thing, um, and I've already kind of mentioned this, is that, you know, I didn't want to believe the fact that people could be evil. Like I felt like that was bad or wrong, you know, to say, okay, an evil spirit is working through this person. And the second thing is that the devil deceived me by telling me that my discernment was judgment. So that when I had the discernment about uh, this person and I told you that God gave it to me, through that advocacy from the Holy Spirit, through a person specifically telling me, through actions that I saw this person do, that even after that, then it was like I would reason, well, but she did this and she did that. And then the devil would come and say, you are judging people. Um, and then um, the other thing was uh, that I didn't trust the advocacy of the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you today that if for some reason you have a caution light or a red light about somebody, you need to pause and you need to pull back. We can trust God's nudges in our life. And just like God is going to Um, uh, warn us about temptation from the enemy. The Holy Spirit is also going to give us discernment about people, and we need to pay attention um, to that advocacy. The next thing is that I was confused about love. Now, agape love, biblical love, is something so different from what we see inside of this world, and that can be a whole nother talk in and of itself. But basically... Um, a, a big part of my confusion is that I thought that love was pleasing. I thought that love always said yes and never said no and always believed the best uh, about people, and that's simply not true. Um, biblically speaking, a lot of times love is bold, and a lot of times love draws boundaries. We see that inside of the life uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so so I was confused about um, Agape love. And then I also, um, when I look back and when I think about uh, the teachings that I received inside of church, um, I received a lot of warnings about not conforming to the world, right? Like do not conform to the world. I received a lot of teachings, about warnings uh, from falling to temptation, whether to pride, whether to my flesh. I received a lot of teachings about the continual conflict of my flesh and my spirit and how I needed to choose and embrace what the spirit was doing. I received a lot of teaching about how the enemy would lie to me and how I needed to take my thoughts captive to the truth, but not a lot of teaching about coming under the control of people and I'm not sure why and I think that what that is one of the reasons why at treasured ministries that we teach on this so much because I feel like that there's a gap um, inside of the church and many women are like me, will get confused. Well, isn't that not nice if I draw a boundary? Or shouldn't I say yes to this person because they hold some title? And so forth and so on. And, and so then we don't pay attention to that discernment, right? Or we feel bad. We feel bad because, you know, we want to help everybody out, even the people um, that are displaying behaviors um, that, that are not of the Lord okay? And, and here's the thing. There are certain people, this is what my counselor was telling me, I'm telling you today, there are certain people that provide an easy threshold for the enemy to use for his purpose. Now, what is a threshold? Well, a threshold um, is a section of wood That lies underneath uh, a door. It is a means, a place for for entry. Um, And so there are certain people that are like easy access to the enemy. They're people that have, have opened up the door to the enemy, and the enemy is using them like a pawn. We see the Israelites fighting the battle against the Amaleks. And the Amaleks were that type of person, right? They provided an easy threshold for the enemy to oppose God's promised land goals for his people. Now, who were the Amaleks? The Amaleks were descendants of Uh, Esau. And Esau and his descendants opposed God's people. Now, the reason why all this got started, you might be familiar with this story, but back in the book uh, of Genesis, um, Esau and Jacob were brothers. And Esau was the firstborn. Uh, Jacob was the second born, um, only by a little bit because they were twins. Uh, But Esau definitely was the first born. But Esau sold his birthright to Jacob um, for a pot of stew. Okay, And then um, when it came time to to give the birthright, um, even though uh, Esau had already sold his birthright to Jacob, and even though in the Bible God prophesied, um, that while Esau was the firstborn, Jacob um, was going to be the one that that would rule. Um, Rebecca, who favored Jacob, said, "I'm going to make sure this happens." Y'all don't pass judgment on Rebecca now, because you know you've been guilty of trying to control and fix things so that it goes God's way. I digress. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> That's another sermon for another day. All right. So, so then the way that it gets done is Jacob tricks his father Isaac into giving him his blessing. I'm not going to go into the details uh, of that story. You can look it up. It's in the book um, of Genesis. But um, the result, the fallout of that, when everything becomes clear, is that Esau is angry. He's angry. And Esau is ready to get vengeance on Jacob. Now, Esau doesn't own his part uh, of this. He says that, you know, Jacob took my birthright. And, and the reality is is that uh, Esau sold his birthright, okay? So, um, so that's the truth there. Now, then he did say um, he's tricked me, and that was true, but really... The the root issue is that Esau made a choice, is that he sold his birthright. He was hungry, he was craving the things of the world, and he caved, right? Um, And so, but but Esau couldn't even see that. He couldn't see his part in it, and he got really angry. He got vengeful. In fact, he got so vengeful that Rebekah and Isaac said, Jacob, you need to get out of Town because Esau um, was was on a war path to to kill his brother um, Jacob, okay, and so that's where the conflict um, arose from. And so um, as it goes, that wounding that happened that was passed down from generation to generation, and the Amaleks were Esau's descendants. And they were born into this culture, this family that just said, you know what, we, we oppose God's people, right? We, we oppose God's people. And in Hebrews 12, uh, 16 it says this about Esau. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. Now that word godless there is a Greek word that means threshold. It means someone who is easily accessible or walked on. Two things that I want you to see there, okay, that he was a threshold, right, because one, he was sold out uh, to the cravings of this world with a single meal Esau sold out his birthright And then the second thing um, that that word says is that it's godless. In other words, this person doesn't fear God um, and, and so they're an easy accessible target for the enemy. In addition to that, this person um, you know Esau was ready to kill. he was ready for vengeance and we know the Bible tells us that that makes an easy threshold for the enemy uh, to work through. And so we see that there are certain people um, inside of this world that will provide an easy threshold for the enemy to use for his purposes. Um, and, And what is his purpose? Well, his purpose is really to oppose everything that God wants for you. So, we see that the Israelites are making headway into their promised land purpose, and the enemy sends this opposition as an attack. This is not God testing the Israelites. This is an attack. Now, I believe, um, certainly, that God used all of this to build build their faith, but... This is the enemy's doing, that they were attacked. Now, what I want you to see, okay, is that the Israelites never fought a battle in Egypt. Everything was status quo, right? I mean, really, did they have to fight? Because Pharaoh had them under uh, his control. The Israelites, It was they were slaves. It's, we're going to do just what he says, right? And so there, there was no prospering. There was no going to the promised land. But as soon as they were delivered, they had to fight a battle. And so what I want you to see about this, okay, is that deliverance is not the end of your epic battle. It's only the beginning. You know, when we identify with Jesus Christ, his enemies become our enemies. And Satan, his greatest enemy, has a special hatred for women. This is why he went after Eve. This is why when you read Revelation 12, you see very clearly that the enemy targets women. We can see this inside of our culture. I love the way that Stacy Eldridge said this at our retreat this summer. Uh, she said, we are born into a world at war. God's goal for your life is restoration, but the goal is opposed. You have villain. You have a villain that will want to attack and oppose your promised land purpose. And not just your promised land purpose, everything that God wants for you. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, so forth and so on. The enemy wants to steal that from your life. He wants to oppose it. And the Word of God is clear. He works through uh, the world systems. He works through temptations on your flesh. He works through lying to you, right, with his lies and how he battles inside of our mind. But the Bible is also clear that he works through people to accomplish his purpose. And his purpose is to be in opposition for everything that God wants for you. And for these reasons, because you and I are inside of an epic battle, we must walk in wisdom and handle toxic people God's way. And to handle toxic people, we become wise as snakes while at the same time harmless as doves by standing in God's power to prevail in our purpose. I want to read to you a couple of scriptures. The first one is in Ephesians. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Now, um, in the very next scripture, in Ephesians 6, 12, um, it mentions what that specific strategy is that this scripture is referring to, and that is his strategy to work through people. Now, he loves to create a crazy cocktail. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, like... He created the perfect storm for me inside of that situation. He was pulling on my temptation of performance. He was pulling on my vulnerability. And then he was working through a person. You know what I'm saying? So he has like a million strategies going on all at once, okay? But for this specific um, one in Ephesians, he clearly says here a final word. Be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Then I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 10. Now inside of this scripture, um, Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples that he's getting ready to send out. And he tells them a lot of things. And one of the things that he tells them is that you know, they, they need to be aware. It says this in Matthew ten sixteen. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So right there, he's saying there's going to be some wolves in the crowd. Okay? So we need to be aware, right? We don't need to be like everybody is going to just be rosy. You know, I can't imagine that anybody would ever hurt me. That's not biblical truth, right? The next part of that verse says this, So be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. Now, I love that scripture. I want to unpack that for you just a little bit. Don't throw wisdom out of the window, right? That you and I can be wise and harmless at the same time. Now, to me, this is a picture of kindness, God does not call us to be nice. It's not in the Bible. He does call us to be uh, kind. And sometimes we're going to need to be as wise as snakes while at the same time being harmless doves. And the Bible is clear. The way that we do that is to stand inside of His power. Now, the first thing that I want you to see is that you have to be as wise as a snake. Now, the snake... Normally, when it's mentioned, refers to the enemy. Now, the enemy is a scheming, evil strategist. And what I believe that God is saying here, okay, is that we have to be wise just like they are. Now, we're going to fight with different armor, but you must be ready and willing To be strategic, you know, inside of the Bible, it it tells a story about Moses' mother uh, and father and uh, how Moses' mother uh, hid her child, Moses, and the Bible says that she did not bow down to the king's edict, right? That she hid Moses and then she ended up putting her baby in a bassinet in the Nile with the crocodiles, right? You want to talk about strategic. You want to talk about brave and bold. There you go. And imagine if um, Moses' mother would have said, you know what, I don't know if it's right because we're going against the king's edict. Do you know what I'm saying? And it all goes back to this. It goes back to that alignment. Who is for God first, Okay. And if what is number one is for you to be nice and you are never going to do anything to quote-unquote hurt anybody or go against anybody, you know, that's not wisdom. And if you're going to align yourself with God, I mean, inside of this passage in Matthew, it said they needed to shake the dust off their feet, right? So there will be some times where you will have to um, not be nice. Where you will have to say no. In other words, you got to get rid of the nice girl badge. Now, that word wise there is a Greek word that actually means mindful of one's own interest. And um, last week I talked about fawning and a person that does fawning for their defense mechanism, everybody else's interests are always first right? And the problem with that is that, you know, part of your godly interest, if you're putting God first, is for you to prevail in your purpose, for you to do what God is calling you to do, okay? And so, look, the the people that are uh, snakes, and and the word doesn't say you need to be a snake. It it said you need to be strategic like the snake, okay? And the snakes— They're mindful of their own interests, right? Because they want to get their world done. You need to be mindful of your own interests because you want to put God first. Does that make sense? And I know there's so many women that I talk to and they say, I just can't be like he can be. I can't stoop to their level. Listen, God is not asking you to stoop to their level, but he is asking you not to throw wisdom uh, out of the window. The second thing is to stand in God's power and to use His armor, okay? Now, um, this is so important because, you know, the armor of the world uh, and uh, God's power are two totally different things. God's power is something that we call in Treasured Ministries godly girl power, and what is that? It is God's all-surpassing power. It is not the world's power. It is not something that we take or manipulate uh, you know, other people. It's something that we have within us because of the Holy Spirit, okay? So we're going to need to stand in God's power, and then we're going to need to use God's armor, okay? And when we are in an abusive situation, when we're getting attacked, it is a natural reaction for us to want to hit back and fight back. Okay? But what I'm saying is is that if you will pull back, that God will give you a battle plan uh, to handle this toxic person his way. And you will be able to do it in a manner where you're harmless as a dove. What is the dove? The dove is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to give you a strategy that is 100% loving and 2,000% wise. You know what I'm saying? Okay. All right. So, um, so throw away your nice scroll badge. Um, we're going to stand in God's power and we're going to use his armor. We're not going to retaliate. We're not going to get revenge. We're not going to fight back. In fact, that is how the cycle of abuse continues. No, we're going to stop it right here and we're going to fight this enemy God's way. So, so that wraps up our teaching message today. And you know something Uh, We have part two coming your way. I'll be posting that next week. And although the narcissistic personality can be very controlling, in fact, very frightening at times because it can seem like such a powerful person, they are not more powerful than God. And in part two, I'm going to be talking to you about specific steps that you can take If you found yourself in a narcissistic relationship. And then finally, if you are interested in uh, learning about how you can get access to more teachings um, like the teaching today and become a part of an awesome community of women and get to do fun things like uh, we meet together on Zoom once a week, Head on over to www.treasuredtribe.com and find out more. It's a great way for you to support what we're doing here at Treasured Ministries and get access to lots of awesome resources. Thanks for listening in. And be sure, if you know a woman who could be helped by this message, to pass it on. Bye-bye.